morning, everybody. AV Daybreak, Mark Cox, and I am here, as always, with Jared Hellman. How are you, Jared? I'm good, thank you. You pulled yeah. that off like a champ, by the way. Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm a pro now, all of a sudden. <laughs> AV Daybreak, number one. I don't know what episode we're in. We're like in 10 or something. I mean, we've, we've done a few, so I'm starting to get better. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I hope we're both improving. That's, that's the goal, day to day. one improves... However, one improves in the podcast world. Well, what I do is I just, you know, I, um, I start a Zoom meeting by myself and then I just talk to myself on Zoom for like an hour each day. Then I listen back. Do you, know. you, do you wonder, do you, do you wonder if we, we were just talking about, we were just talking about uh, like listens, right? And so we're talking about, okay, well, let's, you know, what kind of topics strike, strike a match with people? Do you wonder about, should we ever go to video? I mean, do you know how many requests a day I get wishing that our podcast was in video? Um, one, two. Counting myself, <laughs> count, counting my own requests, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah. video is good. I, I notice a lot of people listen on their exercise and dog walks, and I know I, I, know I do a lot of like, casual podcasts listening in the car and stuff, so... I think I think audio is the base level, right? For sure. I mean, there there could be something on video. I I don't know. I uh, I don't see any problem with it. I just think it it uh, you know it could be another option for people. I mean, it does make it a bit more of a challenge. We have to you know do a little bit more prep work. Um, no, I just I, I didn't. I I think the other thing is you know sometimes guests are a little intimidated if they especially if we're getting up early in the morning that they got to be ready. Although most of our guests have been fairly ready for camera and they do ask. I think they would. I think they would do video. That's fair. All right. I think so. You we maybe we'll do, do a special edition. Maybe we'll, we'll do, do a special edition. Yeah, exactly. I just I know there are a lot of video podcasts out there and um you know they do well. I watch them when I when I can. Uh, most of the time though, I'll tell you I, even if it's something that's video, I'll put it on video and I may watch if, if I may watch 20% of it and listen to the other 80 um, as I'm running around doing stuff. So I don't know. That's me though. See, sure. I'm, I'm bringing in a bias, Jared. I am bringing in you my are. own personal podcast bias yep. and I'm applying that to everyone else. And that's just not fair. So I need to be better at listening to feedback. You, your needs analysis needs to be better. <laughs> my feedback loop needs to be better. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, we'll talk about video another day yep yeah for sure well how'd your week go what's going on over there what are you doing what are you doing in canada this week um so i've been really heavy into i've kind of taken the downtime that we've had um and i'm totally like digging through all of our sales and marketing strategy um and then i'm i'm, I'm reading up on that see the thing is for me Again, I, I have no business being a business, right? So like as an imposter, I have to constantly <laughs> be educating myself on how to do how to do things like normal people do. <laughs> and so um yeah, so I've just been you know, I've been trying to take the downtime and understand sales and understand the strategy behind sales and then and then pair that with marketing. Although I did it the other way around. I actually um led with a marketing strategy for the quarter. Um, and then now I'm just trying to fill in the gaps with a sales strategy to support that. Yep. But it's yeah, interesting. It, it it's, is. It's, it's, it's really interesting. One of the most interesting things I've always found about um, sales, is mar- sales and marketing, especially within the bigger companies I've worked at. Um, you know, I worked 
for IBM for a couple of years. That one was, you know, kind of the largest. Um, and I worked for Milestone and, and I worked for Barco. Um, and now I, I work for Tangram, but Tangram's a little smaller than those, those other organizations. But one of the interesting things that I always found between sales and marketing was, you know, from an outsider's perspective, you'd think that the sales and marketing departments are working really hard together. Yeah, they're supposed to. When sometimes not so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like sometimes there's a, there's a greater marketing idea and then the sales team is doing something different in the field that's working. And for some reason, that kind of feedback from what happens in a meeting doesn't get back to marketing for some reason. And, you know, so you, you have, you know, I guess this, uh, this strategy that goes out to the field and some of it works and some of it doesn't. And that just never gets back to the people for them to adjust it, which is, I always thought was a little odd. Yeah. I mean, I, so what I did is I, I did what any, any, uh, academic like myself would do. And so I, I found some LinkedIn learning, um, <laughs> certification so that I could surpass my time management certification. Yes. But I, I did a, I did a neat little, um, sales management training on LinkedIn and it was, it was interesting. And so when, when the, when they're talking about creating a sales task, you know, what's it, what's, what I think the challenge is, is when you only have when you have a small sales team, right? Because you and I were just talking about this over text. Um, you know, when you have a larger team, you can assign, when you're assigning accounts, you can do it by region. You could do it by technology. You could do it by market or industry. And so you have a lot to play with there. Yep. And um, from my understanding in sales, one of the hardest things to do is to try to sell everything, right? And so, you know, when you're a smaller company and you only have one or two sales reps, or maybe you have maybe, you know, less than four and you're in the AV business, how do you, how do you determine, how do you, how do you pick who, who sells what? Do you do it by technology? And this is exactly what you and I were talking about was, you know, what, what's the best way to do it? Yeah. Is how do you, how do you break up those salesmen so that they're not overlapping each other and they can specialize somewhere? Yeah, it's, it is, it is. I mean, I think there's a double-edged sword there. So I think, I think if you have a large team, it's easier to just draw, draw rails, right? Like when I worked at IBM, I was in small to medium business space. So SMB space, it was a certain size company under 300 employees or whatever it was at the time, you know, um, you know, there were some very, there were some very detailed descriptions around what is a small to medium business that you can call. And then what we would have to do is because there were 650 of us on the sales floor, all doing the same thing, all doing 65 cold calls a day. Um, It was 65. That's what, that's what your number was. Hey, 65 cold calls a day. Um, 650 of us doing this. And we were one of three cities that are you from, are you from St. Louis or are you from Louisville? (laughs) This was, that was an idea, but yes, for sure. Are you from Louisville, Kentucky? Um, So I got a great story on that later, but um, (laughs) anyways, yeah, so we would have to do that and we would go through the system and, you know, there wasn't, Google wasn't there in 2000, Jared, just so you know, back there, there was this year called 2000 that people actually did work in. They sat in an office and they did work in 2000 and in 2000. Well, um, see, I didn't come out of my, uh, I I didn't come out of my Y2K bunker until 2004 when things were safe. 
Okay, great. Well, I was I yeah. was working through, you know, some of us had to bridge the Y2K gap, Jared. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Some of us had to stand in the gap of Y2K. And, you were and the front line. And hope that, you know, everything didn't blow up in our face. You stared uh, Y2K in the face. Exactly. In the, in the face. So we, um, we didn't have Google. So like even prospecting, no. even prospecting, you know, we're going to websites called like Red Herring or we're going to Zoom Info. Some of these websites were around, but um, if the company didn't have info on there, like you couldn't find out much about who worked there or what they did. You know, not every company had a website, like even if you knew to directly go to the URL, but the search engines were different back then. Um, you know, you'd have Alta Vista or web, web crawler, or any yep. of those weird, you know, old Yahoo. search engines that they had. Um, so we were doing all that kind of stuff and, and uh, you'd have to search in the, in the company's system to make sure nobody else was working that because if you got three, four calls in and you started to make a sale and you figured out somebody else had the corporate office at another location, you were, you know, yeah. you, your commissions were quickly stolen and went somewhere else because that was their account, not yours. <laughs> so it was, a, it was so, a lot of work. So, so if you had region based, it was, it was determined by where their head office was. Was that what? It, it was, but so sometimes, yeah. So usually it was where their corporate office was. Um, and some people that, I mean, we were just doing small to medium business, so we didn't have vertical market focus, but we did have areas. Um, like I had a lot of East coast stuff, um, cause I was willing to come in early and lived in Arizona. So I got, you know, Eastern East coast accounts and, um, you know, and then, and then the other thing that we sometimes did was, you know, we partnered with some of the larger parts of the organization. So IBM had large enterprise as one of their divisions. And so, you know, instead of SMB, but we had different fulfillment warehouses. So if large enterprise for some reason needed another 500 PCs and they wanted them, uh, they needed to get them out, they may call one of us to see if we had them in our warehouses and then partner with us to fulfill. So almost like a sub partner to our own company in right. a way, which is interesting. So I used to do that for uh, my two big accounts that I used to work with large enterprise for were Akamai uh, Technologies. So if you've ever been to ESPN.com and checked a sports score, you, the website didn't crash because Akamai has rooms and rooms full of like web caching servers, right? That right. just cache websites and uh, not CompView, um, Comscore was the other one. And uh, you can tell my AV, my AV, uh, company know-how comes in here when I say CompView. Now this company called Comscore. So they would, uh, they were a company that just did like um, rating websites and judging how long people stayed on them. And what does your homepage look like if you get a click through to the second, and then they would sell all that data to everyone else. So they were just tracking user activity across the internet. So they were like one of the of first, one of the first companies back then probably tracking actual like user behavior. Yep. And I think they're, they're still around. They're still around too. So here's a, here's a question for you. Cause we've talked a lot about cold calling. Uh oh, <laughs> there was a time, there was a time when I, I can just imagine when this happened, just imagine cold calling isn't a thing. Just imagine this world. There's no okay. such thing as cold calling. All right. And all of a sudden you're, you're, you're the CEO of a company and all of a sudden you get this phone call and it's this guy on the other side of the phone. He's Hey, uh, Mr. Coxon. He says, my name's uh, so-and-so and I'm selling this widget. And I just think your company would be perfect for this widget. And, and, and you're saying that you must've been, if you're that guy, you're blown away. I, I, like I envision this guy standing there and he's on the phone. He's like, holy cow, this guy just phoned me and offered me something that I could totally use just out of, no, just out of the blue. He knew exactly what I needed. 
And I feel like there was like a peak time for cold calling. You know what I mean? Because it was new. And so do you think, do you think that there was that time where, where it, when you were the receiver of a cold call, you were actually amazed because you're like, wow, this guy went out of his way <laughs> to, to, to look me up and feel like, like he had something that could help my business. What a, what a great guy. What year, yeah. and, and if you do think that that was a, a thing, what year? Oh, geez. When did, when did cold calling become uh, a plague? Not I have no, I have no historical reference for when it would have become a plague, but I would say it became a plague probably within two to five years after, yeah, after telephone proliferated, right? Like, like, like it, it was, was exploited, it. it was exploited very quickly yeah. after, <laughs> after the telephone became something people were using for business, right? I mean, how long did it take Facebook to start selling ads? and start putting up business pages. Didn't take that long, what, four or five years, probably after people, after Facebook was I suppose. pretty strong as a social network that all of a sudden you could have a business page and a fan page and, a, and now start to buy access to demographics and all those things. I mean, the, the technology proliferates. People realize that a lot of other people are using it. Um, I don't know, I mean, for LinkedIn, it was probably six years ago that people really started bothering me on LinkedIn. I would I say I don't get bothered. Like that. I, I actually don't get bothered too much on LinkedIn. Yeah. I get bothered all the time from LinkedIn and then they, they usually get my email, my work email okay, from somewhere stop. on there. I'll stop messaging you on LinkedIn. I get it. <laughs> Sorry. God. Oh uh, yes. But uh, I mean, yeah. I think there's, you're right. There is that magic time where, you know, where it's novel at first. My, yeah. my biggest thing is that person, if that person was smart, probably went like, wow, this just worked on me. I better, I better come up with some strategy to start using this before it doesn't work on anybody else. Right. I mean, yeah. you would think how quick did it take that for those first five or six people to say, okay, this is what I liked. This is what I didn't like. And then start as opposed to, so this is interesting for me. So I like in a way, I'm not, I'm not encouraging anybody to send me anything cold. But I like, in a way, getting some of the cold correspondence. You just like, because you, cause you like analyzing yep. probably what, I, I do the same thing. Actually, um, unknown story is that, so my, my, I only have one account manager. Yeah. Um, we're a small company, right? So I have one account manager and then myself as well that, that manage sales. That's how my account manager before we moved to our new office, which we, we spoke about a couple of years ago, or uh, we, we moved a couple of years ago, you and I spoke about it a couple of shows ago, but my account manager, that's how I, that's how I hired him is he actually came in to sell me something. Uh-huh. And I just really liked, um, you know, how he went about it because he, he did some, he did some great things that I thought, you know, what he had done. Um, and this, this was his, this was his strategy, right? He, he had messaged me on, LinkedIn blindly didn't know him. And of course I did what everyone does when they get a, a blind message on LinkedIn. Typically they go, Oh, this, this guy's like a bot. He's not real. He's far away. You know, he he's, he's irrelevant. And so I ignored it. And then I got another message like a week later, like the follow-up. And then, um, and then what ended up happening was then about another week later, I got an email and it was, it was him again and I still didn't respond. Right. 
And then all of a sudden, like about a week later, or so he showed up at my office. And what I liked about when he showed up at the office was he, he just said, Hey, I, I've messaged you a couple times online just to, just to kind of let you know what I do, what I'm about. And he says, but I really wanted to come and introduce myself to let you know I'm a real person. Yeah. He says, I know, I know you're busy and I, that's fine. Um, he said, I'm not here to talk business with you or anything. I just wanted to, I was, I just wanted to introduce myself. So you knew that I was a real person. And, and I thought, man, that's, that's, what's cool because that's what like closed it. Right. It's like, it's like blind, blind, blind. Oh, well, you are real. Oh, you do actually want to put the attention. And then on top of that, he had done work on, um, or the reading on me personally and knew at the time I had another business and said, I know you're busy. You've got, you know, a couple of businesses going, not, not a hard thing to find out, but just the fact that he pointed that, that out, that he had read more about me than my position, you know? And so anyways, yeah, yeah, I, I, I took him. There was, well, there's, I mean, there's some professionalism that went into what he did. Yeah. And although it was cold and he's, you know, he's, he's working hard and hustling and a lot of people do and some yeah. get rewarded and some don't, but he, you know, he showed a level of professionalism that showed awareness of your situation um, yep. didn't, uh, didn't assume that you owed him anything, which this is my favorite, right? Like when like people are upset, like I've contacted you like four times, I'm just going to take you off my list and I'm going to give up on you if you don't get back. To I, have, I'm like, I have, I have a guy like that in my inbox right now. It's driving me crazy. Like, I don't owe you anything. Like you I really don't want you to miss out on this, Jared. You reached, <laughs> you reached out to me unsolicited, which is fine. Um, through an avenue that you know, I haven't blocked you on yet because I haven't been annoyed enough to. Do you know what um, we call those people? We call them Stacy's. St- Stacy's. Why do you call them yeah. Stacy's? Yeah, they're. Have you ever seen Wayne's World? Uh, yes, but it's been a while. Okay, so remember, he's got that 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 ex girlfriend yes. Stacy. Yes. Now I now I know exactly why you call them Stacy's. Yeah, because they just keep at you, and they're like, you, you know, then you get the email, hey, hey, Jared, if you're not careful, I'm gonna break up with you, and it's like I, I did break up with you. I, <laughs> I blocked, I blocked your email two weeks ago. <laughs> yes, you know, like we do I, not have a like, relationship. We are not yeah. in a business relationship, Bob yeah. from LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, I blocked you. I blocked you three weeks ago. Stop. So, so when you're talking about like taking a taking a um, personalizing or giving a name to something, so <laughs> I used to do a lot of in person cold calling, like what Saad did with you, right? Yeah. And we had a lot of home built. I w- it was during the housing boom. So I worked for right. an AV company in Arizona and I worked a couple accounts. So I worked accounts, but I was also in charge of going out and trying to get some new accounts for us. And, you know, the company that I worked with, uh, worked for, we worked with DR Horton, which is a really big account um, to build a lot of homes. And we worked with Toll Brothers, which is a big, nice kind of luxury home into semi-custom. And then we worked with Shea Homes, which is regional throughout, you know, kind of the Southwest Arizona, California. So we had three big contracts and we did 4,000 homes a year, you know, um, which was a lot of of homes. That's a lot of homes. So, you know, we did a lot of work and that was anywhere from structured wiring to central vacuum to security to audio video. uh, Central vac. So we did all those, we did all those things. So part of my job was going out and talking to or trying to get in front of um, these home builders. And so, you know, when we're talking about like this cold calling, you know, we'd have to go in and, and we knew, maybe we knew who the person was that was in head of, ahead of architecture or in charge of purchasing or whatever for the home builder that we needed to talk to, to, to get into that mix to bid. Um, so what I actually started doing was I, 
I figured out that like on my own, you know, I, there's this stat that says at any given time, somebody, 3% of the people are looking for your product or service. So if you grabbed a hundred people, put them in a, in a room and right. said, Hey, who here is looking for audio video systems? Three of them would raise their hand. And so like, well, who's here has thought about it and it's kind of open to buying one, but wasn't actively searching and you'll get like seven more. So 10% kind of open, 3% actively looking yep. and the other 90% is, is pretty much disinterested in what you do. Right. Yeah. And so that's when you start talking about that whole num numbers game thing. But what I figured out was the other way that you could play this numbers game is you can team up with a couple friends. And so what I did, we used to go to these home builder association breakfasts and there would be somebody from the home builders association would get up and talk and then they'd have a guest from one of the builders. And then the, the builder would stay after to meet the trades, right. That were there. And so really sure. as a trade, you kind of came, you, begrudgingly listened and ate breakfast and then you'd go talk to, yeah, <laughs> to they, whoever they did the bribe. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. So you're, you're there to get this kind of like two minute date with the, with the home builder or whatever. Yep. And what I noticed was like everybody stormed the table, like breakfast ends, everybody stormed the table, like get in line as soon as you can. And I just sat there and I'm like, okay, so I'm wedged in between. It sounds like a very awkward event. It okay. is a very, it was a very awkward event. So I'm sitting yeah. there and I'm like, I don't want to be wedged in between like two people worrying about who's behind me and what the person in front of me just say. And the, the guy's looking back through the line to figure out how many people are left before you can go home. Right. Right. Um, and so I just hung out like there was still breakfast, grab another pastry, drink some coffee, check my email on my black, on my Blackberry, on your Blackberry. at the time, um, do a few things and go last. And I noticed there was another guy that did the same thing and we started talking, we became friends, but we went last because we were the last people. They're like, Hey man, thanks for coming. I know 30 people just bombarded you. I'm just going to give you my card. I'm sure you can figure out what I do. Um, you know, give me a call. I'm not, I know I'm not going to, I'm not going to win a, I'm not going to win a deal. I'm not going to win a deal at this table standing here. So, you know, yeah. Um, I just we came just, for the donuts. Yeah. So we're very human. <laughs> kind of like what Saad did with you, right. was yep. kind of the approach. Well, anyways, I found this guy that, had the similar approach to me. So what I started doing was he, I, and another person, um, all whose name was Johnny Hammond. Sounds like a DJ rocking. It's a great we name. Rocking Johnny Hammond. Um, so me, Bill Davis and John Hammond would go to home builders together because Bill did CAD services, outsourced CAD services. I did audiovisual, and John Hammond did garage doors. And our thought was if we go in together, that the guy may want, may be looking for one of the three of us and come out right so we, we, trip, we, we thought yep. we might triple our chances to get somebody to come to the front take a sure. card shake hands um which worked really well but my point of telling the story johnny hammond if we could not get through which happened many many times nobody would come out and we'd be talking to you know the gatekeeper the admin or receptionist or receptionist yeah. whoever was there security whichever so johnny hammond we had this phrase like We'd have to tell him when we go in. We were like, okay, we're going in. Nobody Hammond the receptionist. Because <laughs> so, what, what Johnny Hammond would do if we couldn't get somebody is he would start pitching his product to the receptionist. Uh, <laughs> and, and they don't care. They, I, well, hold, actually, I, sh I should rephrase. Typically, they don't care. Typically not. Now, now John, John, Johnny Hammond taught more people about double walled garage doors <laughs> than anybody in the history. Johnny Hammond, man. 
<laughs> it sounds like Johnny Hammond. That name makes me think of like he's like the next member of the Cobra Kai. Yes, exactly. Johnny Hammond. Johnny Hammond. Exactly. Yeah. Strike first, strike hard. No Get mercy, him. Johnny. Get him, Johnny. Hey, Johnny, yeah. sweep, sweep the receptionist <laughs> in the leg. <laughs> but this, wish, this yeah. crew, you know, one of the things that we, I'll tell you something, like t- just talking about the human aspect of it, and you were talking about the human aspect of what Saad did. Um, the human aspect of what we figured out in that whole thing, um, you know, and something I'm going to talk about in the cold calling deal uh, when I do it here quickly is that, um, you know, many people see, they, they treat that interaction with the receptionist. I mean, even saying the gatekeeper, right? You're creating an adversarial relationship. 100%. Right off the bat. You're like, okay, this is the person that I'm going to trick, that I'm going to beat, that I'm going to be better than. You are putting yourself. You <laughs> know, I'm going to throw. I'm going to throw rock over here, and while they're distracted, I'm going to run behind them through the yes. gate. And if she doesn't let me yeah. through, I'm going to sell her a garage door. Um, <laughs> so this is the person that you're. You're. You've already mentally, when you say gatekeeper, you've already mentally yeah. put yourself in this adversarial conflict with somebody that that yep. really is just a person who's doing this a job. Holding me back. And the person's doing a job. Right. Well, the, and they're and dealing you know with something funny that, about they're dealing with knuckleheads like you all day long who walk in and ask for somebody that they don't have a meeting with. Yeah. Right. Like, so, you know, what we started to do was very interesting is we actually, um, we actually started to do a, a, uh, receptionist of the month contest. Yeah. And we would put together like a little coffee thing and treats and stuff like that. And we would print a certificate and say, you know, <laughs> this month, it said something like, you know, this month, 50 people didn't let us through to the decision maker in their company, but you were the best at it. Yeah. <laughs> and we, By the way, and we would put these little things in and it was funny how much that would go the next time we stopped by like yeah. what that sparked in a conversation because this was just a person we were making a joke like we know it's we know your job we know you're not just going to let us through we understand that like it's you know we have to be valuable it has to be fortuitous it has to be a timing we have to have some type of thing but creating an alliance i mean we go in and say hey you know we've been here a couple times we do we do send emails doesn't seem like they get returned maybe there's not a need for the service but um you know is there a better way does he pick up voicemail does he get in early in the morning like, oh yeah, he comes in and checks his, his email or his phone about 7.30 every day. Cool, I'll call about 7.30. But creating that little alliance, you know, um, yeah, it was just a huge do his, do his kids attend? Do, do his kids attend a school around here? Yeah, like those you kinds know, of questions, picked, is that what you're saying? If I picked up his kids from school <laughs> yeah. and left a note with the principal I mean, to call uh, me to get them back, do you think that would work? No, obviously we're kidding. Obviously we're kidding. Do you not don't do want to do that. Do not pick anybody so, else's kids up from school. You know what's you know what's interesting about like that methodology, which which makes a ton of sense. But what's interesting again is like when people get that narrow when when you think about the AV industry, yeah, and who are the decision makers? The minute you hear decision maker, people instantly think CEO, CFO, CTO, whatever. Yeah. But what's funny is like that admin, I guarantee that six times out of 10, weird number, but that's what I would say. I bet you six times out of 10 at most small to medium-sized businesses, that admin is the, is remember we use this, the CEO of the problem. Because when the boardroom doesn't work, when the technology doesn't work, 
I guarantee that the executives are, are going to her and saying, hey, him or her, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll throw a stereotype away, but they're going to him or her and they're saying, our boardroom, this doesn't work. Find someone to come in and fix that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because we deal with a ton of admin assistants and, and receptionists that just got dumped the problem. One, 100%. And I'll say this too, even in that case where our product or service was wiring a house. So it wasn't even if, if for right. some reason their boardroom went down, we weren't the people that fixed that anyway. Sorry, I, I was thinking company-wise, yeah. I, 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 I 100% love your train of thought there. And I hadn't thought of that um, in that way, especially, but even, even if they're not the person that does that, they're kind of your first filter, right? Yeah. Like they're, you're, we were talking about SEO, right? And websites yeah. and all this kind of stuff. They're your SEO. Like if, if, yeah. if 20 people come in, who do they pass through if they pass through anybody? Like be, making that person an adversary is the worst possible thing you could do. And your and, stuff will never get off the front desk. Yeah. And, and you're right with the office manager position. And, and yeah, I mean, I wish I could bring out my, that book that I had with all these different titles, but yeah. you know, everyone knows the position we're talking about. When someone doesn't know, who do they ask that position? Yeah. Because well, that, typically yeah. that person has been there for a while. They have their hands in everything. And so it's like, Hey, who do we, who do we use to fix the, the boardroom? Who, Hey, who, who does our IT? Hey, who do I, you know, and so you're right. That's a, that's a great way of looking at it too, is that this person could be a great, um, I don't know, ally, ally, we'll call it an ally. I, I, I I love the idea of building alliances with people and, and treating every person in the, in the process with respect and not just respect, but, you know, trying to figure out, you know, what role they actually play and everything. And I think, you know, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting approach. Some people don't like it, you know, um, especially, you know, I, I, I'm going to go out there and say this, you know, people that consider themselves alpha or dominant, you know, um, I've just never been one of those people. I'm a people person first. Um, you know, when we were talking about company profile or personality profiles, you know, there's the disc profile has a dominant characteristic. I, I'm an influencer in disc, but I don't stray towards dominant. I strain, I stray towards steady, which is more um, conservative, people-oriented, community-oriented sure. type. Um, so it's very interesting. It's very interesting to, to you know, go in and do that. But yeah, you, you mean they're the ones that are going to sort you out of the pile, you know, if you need to go in there. And my yeah. wife worked for uh, my wife my wife worked for a law office as uh, a secretary. You yeah. know who you know who knew what was going on in that office more than anybody? Yeah. And about everything. Yeah, because people had very specific tasks to do on things, but if you wanted an overview yeah. of what was going on, yeah, it's like that connector office, position, right? <clears throat> it was a, it's a hundred percent that connector position. So, you know, a paralegal may be working on doing some research and the lawyer may be um, you know, looking through existing case law. And, you know, they may have another attorney that's going out and doing interviews or depositions with somebody and they're sitting there, they've been doing depositions for two weeks. They don't know who else is engaged in, in the job recently or who's actually yep. doing the casework or the files. And when they come and look for something, she's like, oh, you should ask John because I know he was pulling stuff to look for this. You know, yep. like they knew exactly, she knew exactly what was going on with all the parts and pieces as they moved around. Um, oh, you need no, a garage door. Well, I have a guy. Yeah. 
Exactly. There you go. <laughs> this guy, he showed me an 18-page brochure over 45 minutes at my desk the other day. Yeah. <laughs> and they can paint them brown, apparently. And it was printed in color. Yeah, it was awesome. The whole it was amazing. was in color. So yeah, I used to do a lot of that. It was um, it was a lot of fun, and the lunches were fun, and the camaraderie was fun, and it made cold calling a little more, uh, made cold calling a little more palatable. It was one of the the things I hated to do the most, honestly. Um, but it but uh, it was it was important. It was important to try and do it and face rejection and try to think of new ideas. And so I still I watch other people, although I don't do a lot of cold calling anymore. I watch what a lot of other people do, and I try to glean yep. some kind of information from it right yep now uh if 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 you're okay um i'm, I'm gonna change gears on you. you you said there was real talk today real talk i said maybe we could have some real talk and and i'm hoping that i'm gonna say something that everyone else is is thinking which is okay. rare um so like I said, I was working on marketing, right? Marketing strategy, um, you know, content development and stuff like that. And what I, what I came to realize over the last bit is it is a struggle right now to develop content and like personalized content. And, and, and here's why is because, because with, with everything going on with the, uh, with, with COVID and economy and, you know, projects for us, I mean, like most people projects, like projects have slowed down. We had a few delayed on us. Um, and so as a company that traditionally shares our work as content, well, when we don't have that, that influx of work, I have nothing to share. And so I find myself extremely bored with social media right now. Like, because it's like all we keep doing to me and, and, and I'm, I'm guilty of contributing to this, but I, as I, as I browse Twitter and I, I go on Instagram and I go on Facebook and stuff, it's just like, we just keep talking about the same thing because it's like, no one has anything new to talk about because nothing new is happening because we're all in like this, like frozen time period of COVID. Yep. You know, do you, does that like, does that resonate with you? Am I, am I, am I on my own? Like, I feel like. No, I think yeah, it's like, we just keep talking about the same stuff. There's nothing new happening right now. It's like this weird thing. So I think, I mean, I think in a couple of ways, I mean, I've been bored with AV marketing for five, six years. If you watch, you know, anything that I write about it. Um, I, you know, I, I, I understand that. I just, yeah, I do understand I, that. But I get what you're saying. I mean, right now there's a, there's one thing that's weighing on most people's minds, right? Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, the situation that everybody's in. And in one form or another, people are thinking about it. There are three or four conversations that are is happening the, around it. Is the and NFL going to start? I know everyone's thinking about it. <laughs> and so, so <laughs> those three or four conversations just get, keep get, getting replayed yeah. and replayed and replayed. And many times the, the story, the value proposition, all those things around it are very similar, if not exactly the same. And so yep. there's really nothing novel um, happening after the first couple months. So the first couple months, maybe there were some novel things happening in the first couple months. Yep. Um, as this is dragged on into six, there's no, um, you know, there's no novelty to it anymore. Right. Like I, so I think of, I think of the most, I think of the most genius ad ever. We're talking, you said NFL. So the most genius real time marketing thing that ever happened, I think was the Oreos thing. And I don't know if you saw that. Um, but, during the Super Bowl, the power went out. 
at yep. the Super Bowl. I remember so that, the yep. Super Bowl went dark, right? And Oreos was on social um, right away with an ad that said um, something about you can eat them in the dark, you know? <laughs> yeah. Instantly, like within a couple minutes, they had a whole a whole little, you know, Twitter visual Oreos ad with the dark screen and the white circle and the like the cream shining in the yep. dark or whatever. And, and, you know, this little thing. So this idea that real-time marketing or using, using the ethos of a time can work and spark something is very, very true. But what happens 100%. is if, if that mood time frame drags on too long, then there's, then there's no spark in using it anymore. It's like being an announcer for the longest game in history. Yeah, <laughs> right. You know, you know what I mean. Imagine being, imagine being a sportscaster for a, a game that goes on for six months and no one scores. Well, and there's three players, right? Like the, the amount of the yeah. amount of things that are actually happening now is reduced, right? So right. if you're doing play-by-play, no like, new, no new players. Yep. Well, Thompson's <laughs> up to bat again. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Johnson's still pitching. Um, there's yep. nobody in the bullpen. <laughs> yeah, the score, the the board is zero zero still. Um, yeah, yep, like you're just itching for something exciting to happen. It, it, I think that's it, right? I mean, you're yeah. you're waiting for some kind of breakout or breakthrough. And is that breakout or breakthrough um, going to come? One, um, number two, is our industry really the one that is going to provide it anyway? which is a great question. Yep. Um, you know, so you have all these things that are going on. And, and I think the other thing is this, is that as an industry, I think the other reason that this maybe exacerbates for people like us is that as an industry, we've been talking about this stuff for 10 years anyway, and it just became <laughs> newly relevant all of a sudden right. to others. So this would be my, this would be my question, Jared. You want to have some real talk and you talked about being, board with you know the marketing that's out there um let me ask you this are you are you uniquely numb to it because you work in this industry does it resonate with other people who haven't been thinking about dealing about dealing with this every day for the last 10 years as a business owner knowing that zoom was out there and cameras were out there and reading something going well well no duh this can help your business i've been saying that for 10 years is there some is there some uh, excitement? Told, is there some I told you so? Is that what's going on? No. Is there some <laughs> excitement for others because this is actually something perhaps new, novel, or not their daily concern? So yeah, I think that I think that is a great point because last night, here's here's an example. So last night, and and I tweeted this out last night. It was my nightmare. Okay. We had our our our. I have I have two kids that'll be going into uh, online learning in the fall. Yep. Um, and so we had parent orientation night. Oh yeah. I, I saw this. Yeah. And so, <laughs> and so, um, I said, uh, yeah, so we had parent orientation night. It was done over Microsoft teams, which, which uh -huh. was fine. Um, fine. It's a fine platform obviously. And so they basically sent out all the parents that were registered for online learning school, um, join this teams meeting at this time and we'll run through a little presentation on how the, how the school year is going to work stuff like that. So there were a hundred and I want to say on this, I think there was like 168 participants in this meeting and you know, 164 of them were parents. 
Okay. And so you can imagine, and, and the thing is, I, I don't even know this. I wouldn't, I know this about Zoom, um, but in Teams, can you not mute and disable video on participants as they enter? I don't I think, think I, 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 someone didn't know something last night. And so they didn't do that anyways. And so you had all these participants joining um, with their cameras on and their faces, you know, faces right up against their phone and, and their <laughs> mics were muted and the admin were trying to say, everyone mute your mic. And you had all this feedback happening. Like this is what I, I tweeted out that, you know, parent orientation on teams is my nightmare. Yeah. Um, and, and it is, as, especially as an AV guy. But you, you, you do bring up a good point because it made me think I, I had a huge, I, I will say this, I had a huge appreciation for the group that had to put this all together over the summer um, to bring some, some sort of competency and instill some confidence into parents, like to, to put their kids back into school or that online learning would work. Right. Yep. Um, and so it, it did make me think, man, imagine the amount of work that had to go in from these guys um, to, to put this all together, to understand the technology, to, to, to get it working. And so you're right. It probably was challenging and exciting for them. And it was educational and they had to learn and they had to test. And on my side, I'm going, yeah, I've been doing this for, you know, I've been doing video conferencing for 10 years. As long as I've yeah. been in AV, I've been doing video conferencing. And so maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe that's my boredom with it is like, yeah, we've been talking about this for a decade, you know? Yeah. And so this is where, I mean, this is where um, many times, um, you know, when you can find, when you can find that those one or two people um, to actually have a conversation with and, you know, try to see it through new eyes uh, can really help in a way. Right. I mean, for, sure. For us, that we did a lot of that. We did like a lot of these roundtables, and we just kind of sat and listened. We assembled four people from the same vertical and let let them talk to each other about the challenges they were facing. And we didn't insert ourselves at all. It was just like we facilitated a conversation. Hey, you guys all do the same thing. You all have about the same amount of employees. You're all facing the same challenges. You have the same worries. Like, you guys want to get all together and just kind of do a roundtable on what you're planning to do in the next two months? Um, yeah. That that to me has been one of the things that's helped me create, I guess, um, keep some energy around it is to continue to listen to what people are trying to solve for. And I think too, I think the other thing is, is that I've for a long time, I mean, I've been writing for a while and I've been podcasting for a while sure. on different platforms over time. And the amount of times somebody comes up and mentions something to me that I thought was a throwaway comment like that I thought was something everybody understood and knew oh, and I said it and somebody 100%. goes, Oh, but when you said this, I was like, I really, I, I was like, wow, that, that really, that resonated. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, wow, I, I didn't think that was very novel or unique. I mean, I think we discount, you know, you're, you're not wrong in that. I, I, I can see a lot of that where we, we take for granted. And, and last night, again, last night, perfect example, I take for granted how easy things like teams or zoom are to me like yeah. teams or zoom seem every, everything about it seems like common sense to me, but <laughs> yeah, but, but judging by last night, it's not. And so, I, I mean, there is opportunity there and, and, and I guess, okay, you can, I'll allow you to make a positive for me out of this. Um, I won't be disgruntled about it, but yeah, if I were to take a positive out of last night, what it shows me is that 
even though in my in my echo chamber of AV tweeps, we'll say, I would feel like nothing I'm nothing nothing I would put out to an end user in my echo chamber of AV tweeps is useful. Right, because I feel silly talking about it because it's like, well, all these people know that. But on the other side is when you put out that information to people not in that echo chamber of AV tweeps, it is useful, you know? And so when I look at, you know, we just released um, that return to work guide. I love it. I saw and it. we talk, yeah. Beautiful. For anybody out there that didn't see it, if you go to, it's, in, it's, go to Insta, yeah. you can get it there. That was good. It's, in, it's extremely well done. And we don't talk just about technology. We talk about the people and the people spaces technology was the three themes we kind of went with there. Yep. And it's incredibly well done. And there's been a ton of guides, a ton. You can, you could search return to work guide or return to work ebook, COVID-19 ebook, and you will find dozens of these guides. Yep. And so I, I won't lie. I was discouraged on us even creating it because it's like, well, everybody has one of these. Right. And so we, we tried to focus a bit on different things, but when I look at the, the value it would have to an end user or to my actual audience, my paid audience will say, I'm, I mean, maybe I do discount the information that's there for them, you know, because like I, like I said, everything else seems common sense to me. Yeah. And people have different circles, right? Like, I mean, you're very connected to companies like yourself that yeah. are going after the same, you know, kind of markets to, to put information out to who are trying to do the same content marketing and provide value out there in the general space. Yeah. And so you're seeing the same thing over and over and over again. But if your client doesn't work with, you know, six different AV companies and they work with you, maybe yeah. it's the first time they've seen something like that. Right. I mean, you really have to, you really have to start to think about that. Like the, you know, who do they have access to? Who's in their network? Are they seeing the same things that you're seeing? Because again, we're, we're living in this little echo chamber where we're seeing the same thing yeah. over and over and over and over again from 10 other people. And it's all good information. Don't get me wrong. I'm not discounting the information. No, and I, I don't want to take away from, from those people either. Yeah. But, but it's just the, um, you know, it's, it's the repetition of the same message over and over again in the world we live in but it's yeah. not, like I said, I don't know that it's out there. So I, I would feel encouraged, Jared, feel encouraged, keep your marketing moving. Remember that, <laughs> remember that your audience doesn't consume AV in the same quantities that you do. And no. that the chances that your message is unique and novel to them might be pretty high. I think that's that in all honesty, the biggest thing I'll, I think what I'd like to throw like last week, we threw out, you know, the Kobe index this week. I would like to throw that out on, on, I'll post that on Twitter as a question is like, how many, who's bored with the current, you know, conversations in our industry? Yeah. And I think the follow-up to that is how many, how many customers have you talked to that were, were excited yeah. about something you were bored with? Yeah. <laughs> how many people did you talk to that were excited about something that you've been completely bored with? Because I've found that I've gone into a conversation with someone thinking, Oh my God, I hate this conversation. Oh, I have They're, to talk about this they, again. And they started talking about it and I got newly excited just based on being able to share something new for them. Right. So when I was, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, I had a best, I had a, maybe not a best friend, good friend. Yeah. And uh, his name was Jared also. Jared, the other Jared, he had, 
dad, his parents bought him like every video game system ever as it was released, right? Every every system he had. It started with the NES, and then he had the Super Nintendo, and then he had the 64, and then it went to, he even, had, he, he even got a Dreamcast, right? And so if you had a Dreamcast, you were probably one of those kids that had most systems. And so anyways, that's what I feel like now. I, I guess I guess I'm the kid with all the systems now, and we I need to remember the friend that doesn't have any systems. And so when I come over to his house, he'd be like, "Let's play this," and he'd be like, "Yeah, I guess." He's like, uh, I, "You know, I guess." I'm excited because it's new, it's entertaining, and he's like, "Well, I've I've always had this, you know. I've I've beat yeah. I I've beat Contra like four times, you know. I don't." And so maybe I need to remember that not everyone has. Yes. A Sega Genesis. I like, I like this analogy. I like this analogy <laughs> a lot. I enjoy it. And you I had remember, those friends, right? You had those friends. Yeah. I never, I never had Super Nintendo. I had the normal Nintendo forever and I got it late. Yeah. Right. Um, I got it with the power pad and duck hunt. So I had the gun, the power pad for track <laughs> and I had Mario brothers. Those are my three, Yeah. my three main games. I never had enough money to really buy games. So even games were a thing. Right. But I remember, you know, friends that had Super Nintendo, um, killer instinct on super nintendo oh yeah or mario kart you know mario kart um yeah just things like that and you go over there like i don't want to play mario kart i'm like well dude what i I never get to what what are you talking about the best thing ever (laughs) it just came out (laughs) you know so yeah Yeah, maybe that's maybe maybe that's what i need to do i need to do that i need to remember that not everybody has killer instinct yeah well and uh, i would say too this is the other thing is like every once in a while um Every once in a while, treat yourself to being the first to get one. Like it's, yeah. it's um, so like I never had the systems, never had the systems, never had the systems. And then there was no way I was getting a car for my 16th birthday. And so right. I asked for Sega CD. Remember Sega CD? Oh, so you could put that was a mistake. Sega CD under the Genesis, the Genesis plugged into the Sega yep. CD. And I was like, I was in heaven. It was like, it was like the, it was like I was the only one yeah. that had Sega CD for a few months in my neighborhood. And people wanted to come to my house to yeah. play something. We played Sewer Shark on Sega CD or Dragon's Lair. <laughs> Dragon's Lair. Yeah, um, yeah. So anyways, I, like every once in a while, it's nice to kind of flip the script and, and go find something. I had a customer once that did that, which was very funny in the home industry, where um, there were two friends. Um now, his name wasn't Jared also. He might have been related. I think it might have been Bob also. Also is Bob not a also? very common common last name, by the way. It's foreign. Um, <laughs> it's foreign. It's French-Canadian. There you go. But uh, these these two guys were, it was funny, they were friends and they were buying homes in the same neighborhood. So they were they were both Canadians, Jared. And they, they were. were buying houses in Arizona. This must have been in Phoenix. Yep. This was in the mid-2000s and it's when the Canadian dollar was really strong against the u.s dollar and they were buying homes like summer homes in arizona arizona is like a second home to canadians yeah so yep. so uh active adult community 55 plus you know people nice. buying their second summer home um had two two folks come down from alberta canada and they bought houses pretty much right next door to each other and one gentleman yep. owned tv stations and bought everything he bought everything he bought the theater system he bought the awesome speakers he bought i mean he bought every possible thing you could buy. I think he spent like 150 grand in AV and electronics in his house, right? Sure. And then I had his friend come in. In 2000. Yeah, in 2000. Yeah. And then and his, in his house. That's a in lot. His in his house. house. Yeah. Yeah. So his friend came in 
and he was like, so what did, what did Wayne get? And I said, Oh, <laughs> Wayne. Well, I'm, I'm like, well, Wayne got oh, this. Wayne from Alberta. And, yeah. Yeah. Wayne, and like Wayne got this and Wayne got that. Yeah. And Wayne put these things in and I'm showing him and demoing different things that Wayne bought. And he bought these upgraded pieces and this screen and this projector and all this stuff. He's like, cool. He's like, so, uh, so he goes, so what, what, what didn't Wayne get? <laughs> yeah. I want that. I'm like, um, so the only thing Wayne didn't get, and it was this little black and white, it was before home automation was real huge, but it was, uh, you know, it was kind of like a, like an X10 based, you know, old, old, uh, power, you know, control over power X10. I don't know oh, if yeah. you can remember X10 as a, as a technology, as a, as a format. So, um, anyways, uh, there's this little thermostat that could also control some lighting scenes and things like that. Yeah, uh, in your house had a little black and white LCD screen on it. Nothing, nothing huge. Preset icons, not customizable. Um, I'm like, this. Like, he didn't get one of these. He's like, all right. He goes, I want that. And I said, what? And he goes, I don't even. I'm not even gonna use. I it. want that. I'm not even gonna use it. He goes, but I can't outspend him. I can't outspend Wayne. But I know, if he comes over to my house and I have something he doesn't have, it's gonna drive him crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so, this so he is spent like fifteen hundred dollars on a. Uh, LCD thermostat with a couple controllable lights in his house, just just to drive his friend. Just nuts. to drive it, just to drive him crazy. That was <laughs> back when. Uh, that's that was back when the oil industry was good. Obviously, two two guys from Alberta. Yep. Um, had some money to throw around. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe that's maybe that's the best way to look at it. Is we need to, uh, or at least I I need to, and hopefully there's you know people that yeah. understand where I'm coming from. But there's some. Yeah, there, let's just some people just have it, it all. Way. Some people have it all, Jared. You, you yeah. are. I like that analogy. You're the guy with all the game systems. I guess I house. got all the game systems right now, and I'm just bored with it. I'm like, ah, oh, I've yes. had a trampoline forever. So I play. I jump on the trampoline. So go play, <laughs> Go back and play, you know, pole position on Atari 2600 with somebody who's never seen it before and watch their eyes light up. And then yeah. all of a sudden, you're into it again. Oh, let me show you all the tips and tricks. I've been doing this for years. Oh, let me show you this. Let me show you yeah. that. All right. You know? Tap into them. Come I like on, that Jared. mentality. It's not all like about that. you, my man. <laughs> uh, feels like it sometimes. Well, hey, we've been we've been chatting a while, so we should probably we should probably close up. We didn't we didn't even try to call Chris Dado today, but maybe we'll try to call him next time. He snubbed us last time, anyways. I know. We'll we'll try next week. So everybody, tune in next time for AV Daybreak. Um, we'll try to call Chris Netto. We'll talk about some other stuff again. Maybe we'll have a guest. We do have some good guests lined up this month already, though, too. Yeah, just as a teaser, we're going to have somebody yeah. from Avixa on to talk yeah. about something. We're not going to give it all away um, later this month. And we're also going to try something new and talk about a book with someone this month. So we've got two already. That's cool. Yeah. Very all good. right, man. Well, hey, have fun up there. Yeah, good have fun. Good, good luck marketing your business out in the wild, <laughs> wild, wild northern west or midwest wherever you're at up there yep <laughs> cool man hey everybody thanks for joining us today we'll talk to you next time